Job is answering Eliaphaz's um, statements in chapter 22. And Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him, and when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique, and who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. For God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me, because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face." invite you to turn to number 577. Be strong in the Lord, number 577. Be strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty defender is always the same. Mount up with wings as the
and song, be strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty commander will vanquish the foe. Fear not the battle. See, we're not supposed to be given over to fear, regardless of what may be coming. Fear not the battle, for the victory is always His. Amen? He will protect you wherever you go. Be strong, be strong, be strong in the Lord. So our prayer is that today our time together will help you and I to be strong in the Lord for the battle that that we face every day in our own personal life, let alone in the world that we're in. And uh, what a joy it is to be able to gather together and to share together in those purposes. As we mentioned, Job 23 is Job's response to Eliphaz, Um, again, his one of the three friends that had come to him and were trying to convince Job to repent. And they were certain that um, Job was suffering because of his great sins, so In chapter 22, Eliaphaz says, Job, you're suffering because you have sinned. And and he points out to him things that he's thought he's done, that you've taken advantage of the poor, you've taken land from people, and and they're, they're creating all these things to try to convince him that is he's he's sinned, and then he puts the plow a little deeper, and he says, not only that, you're a hypocrite. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever been called a hypocrite, but if, if you're committed to integrity, when someone would fling at you the word hypocrite, that goes right to the heart. And, and they said, you're a hypocrite because you're hiding your sins. You act like you have no sin and, and you're hiding your sins, and um, you need to repent because your sin is obvious to everyone. Well, Job sat there and listened to all this. You know, we sometimes overlook some things about Job that the average one of us wouldn't have listened to them two sentences into their their attack on him but he's gone through three of them 
They're going the second time around, and, and um, he then responds with Job 23. But Eliaphaz, in Job 22, really preached a message that was absolutely true. I mean, Eliaphaz said he called Job to submit to God's word. In verse 22. And we're not going to spend much time on this. And, and he said, return to God Almighty and abandon the iniquity of your lifestyle. Those are good, good words of, of advice to any of us. To submit to God's word, return to God, forsake your sin. In fact, we'll be addressing some of those very same things later. And, and then he said, and find your delight and wealth in God alone. And that's a good thing. I mean, he really preached a good message there. It was all true. Um, and yet, at the same time, um, much of it wasn't applicable to Job. So Job's sitting there and he hears this. Submit to God's Word. Return to God and abandon your iniquity. And Job then responds and he says, Return to God? I can't even find Him. I don't even know where He's at. You're saying return. I wish I knew where He was so I could return. In essence, it is what Job is saying here. And in Job 23 that we read... He, he says, if I, if I see his work on the right hand, I go there, he's not there. If I go on the left hand, he's not there. If I go forward, I don't find him there. If I go back, he's not there. He said, I wish, I wish I could just go to the presence of God in Job 23, he's saying. And I wish I could just make my appeal and pour it out to him and... Would God rebuke me? Would God contend with me? He said in the passage we read. And he said, no. In fact, Job believed that when God looked at his life, he would come through it golden. That, that God would say, yep, you're right. You are innocent. That's what Job was believing in his heart. And, and it's really what God testified in Job 1. But here Job is, and he can't find God, and he's not hearing from God, and, and he's in a, a very precarious situation. We know that Psalm 139 says, where can I go from God's presence? If I go to the heights of the heaven, is, he is there. If I go to the depths of hell, He is there. He's everywhere. He knows when I sit down. He knows when I rise up. He understands my thought afar off. We know that, that God is everywhere and His presence is with us. But sometimes, like Job, we may come to a point where we say, God, where are you? Others have said the same thing. Prayed, 
where Elisha prayed, where is the Lord God of Elijah? God, where are you? I don't see you working. I don't sense you here. And those are very real experiences that come in the lives of the followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes God is hidden and silent because of our sin, but sometimes He hides Himself, so to speak, even when we cry out to Him, that we, we don't sense perhaps that He's hearing us, we don't see his hand at work. And those can be very, very difficult times. And those are times in which our faith is really tested. So when we come to those times when God seems silent or when God can't be found, how are we supposed to respond? What, what are we supposed to do? And we can learn from Job's life in this, and we can learn from, from other principles throughout God's Word of how we are to respond. And let me just say, when, when we're in situations like that, um, you won't feel like doing any of these things. And this is where we have to make sure that we walk by faith not by feelings. This is what God says, and it's important for us to do. So I'm going to list, Lord willing, seven things when we're in situations where it seems like God is nowhere to be found. Perhaps He's silent. We don't hear from Him. Number one, give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things. So, sometimes we say, I just want to know what the will of God is. Start out by giving thanks. And Job did. When all this happened, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This, this will be very, very difficult. Especially when you're in a dark night that it, it seems like God is nowhere to be found that you're not hearing from God, for you to go and say, God, I thank you that you have allowed this into my life. I don't have any idea why. I wouldn't have asked for this in a million years. But God, I thank you that you are able to make all things, even this, work together for good. And that, that is an act of obedience that is an act of praise. And someone has said, the hardest praise is the highest praise. The praise that comes the hardest is the highest praise. So it begins by, by giving thanks. And then we need to ask the Spirit to search our heart. 
The psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way within me. Now, we know that sin separates us from God. Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, sin separates us. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, it says that, um, do you not know that your sins have separated you from God? So, if we're in a situation that, that God is silent or, or we don't sense Him, His direction in our lives... We need to use this as a time of self-examination. God, show me where I have gone off your path. Now, in, in the overwhelming majority of times, we will not be like Job. He didn't have a time where he'd gone off God's path, so to speak. God said he's blameless. Or if he'd gone off, he'd made it right. But in our lives, there are many times, and we need to seriously go before God and, and say, God, I want you to show me my sin. If there is in my life that that is, that is separating me from you, I don't want that, Lord. And I, I'm asking your spirit to, to minister in my life and search me and show me. And honestly, God knows our heart. If we're serious about it, He'll do it. Now, it may mean giving God some time to do it. It's not like, God, show me my sin. Okay, didn't. Okay, let's go on to the next thing. It may be over days and as we search the Scripture and so on. But silence from God ought to be a time of, of examination. God uses many things to get our attention, and nothing gets our attention more than pain and silence. And it breaks down the idols in our lives, and it reveals false motives in our heart and life. If we take the time to allow God and invite God to search our heart, and know us. So it is a time to ask the Spirit to search your heart. And then thirdly, saturate in what God has already said in His Word. Um, in Job 23, verse 10, 11, and 12, Job said, I know... He knows the way that I take, and when He has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to His steps. I have kept His way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of His lips. Notice this. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. To saturate ourselves in the Word of God. Uh, just this last week in reading through Proverbs, reading Proverbs 22, I was, I was reminded of, of this. Proverbs 22 and verse 17. 
Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. Notice what he said. Incline your ear to my words. Put your, my words in your heart. Why? So that your trust may be in the Lord. In times of silence, in times of darkness, in times when we may not sense God's presence, that is a battle for what we're trusting. And he said, go to the Word of God as you never have before, that your trust may be in the Lord. As Job said, I have valued your word more than anything. See, the reality is God, is, God is not really silent in our life. I can go listen to God anytime I want. And for us to say, God is silent, He's not talking to me, I'm not hearing from Him. Often what we mean is, God's not doing what I want Him to. If you want to hear from God, you can hear from God anytime and all the time. But it's a battle, and Satan doesn't want you to go to the Word. He wants you to go every place else, but, but we must become people of the book. We must, in good times or bad times, we must have a love for God's Word. However silent God may seem to be, He's spoken to us. And it's through His Word. Um, it's so important that we value this. Not just, you know, it, it's not just enough to, to read our devotion today. I'm all for daily reading, and we ought to. But... Desperate times re require much of God. And the only way you get much of God is get much of His Word. And, and our response to desperate times reveals a lot what, what goes on in our heart. Um, it's important for us that we, we even ask God, God, would you help me to... To love your word more than I love anything else. And, and God, if there's anything that's hindering me from loving your word, this is, this is it. And, and any time in our life, we ought to be driven to the word of God. And I find it fascinating. Job said, I treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So it is. Saturate in what God has already said. Rather than worry, God, I'm not hearing from you on this. Go back and saturate in what He's already said. Third, or fourthly, focus on what you do know. What do you know about God? You ought to be developing in your life a list of things that you know about God. And when I say know about God, you know about it because it's from His Word. Not, 
I had this experience. Your, your experiences will come and go. But you know you have to have the bedrock of God's Word. It endures forever. And this is what God's Word says about God. God said in His Word that God is good. Your feelings might be, God's not good to me. Look at what happened to me and look at what's happening to me. And God is not good. And that's where you need to come back and say, but I know God's Word says that God is good. You may be saying, I've tried drawing near to God and and it didn't work. You need to come back to say, wait a minute, God promised if we, in James chapter 4 and verse 8, if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. I'm going to keep drawing. And though it may not feel like it, and though it may not appear to me, and my understanding may not be there, as Job did, he kept going to God. See, it's coming back. What do you really know about God based on this, on His Word? Hebrews 13:5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the midst of darkness, that may be the only thing you can hang on to. It feels like you've forsaken me. It looks like you've left me. But this is what your word says. And this is where the nitty-gritty down the rubber meets the road of our faith comes to reality. It's easy when everything's going well. But when, when things aren't that we still cling to God and we say, I shall not be moved. God, I believe you are my fortress God, I believe that you have forgiven my sins and you said I am a child of yours. God, you said that you would lead me with your right hand. You said that you would shepherd me. See, we need to build through our personal walk with God what we know about God based on not what some preacher said or some Bible study teacher said or what someone on the radio said or what we read somewhere, but based on our personal relationship with God. God, I can't explain it. I don't, I don't understand it. But you said that you view me as the apple of your eye, that my prayer is your delight. It's not my delight, but Lord, that's what you said. And see, there are times that, that we, don't even, we don't even like ourselves, let alone anything else. But to stand in the promises of God, and that's where you need to get a biography of God, Dr. O calls it. Where, where you are writing down, this is what I know about God because of what His Word said. So, this is what I know. See, in, in most difficult situations, we focus on what we don't know. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future is. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if this happens? What if that happens? I don't know. We need to come back and focus what we do know. I do know God is real. I do know He knows what's going on in my life. I do know that His grace is sufficient. I do know that everything's going to end well. And to go back and start focusing on what we do know. Think about it. This last week, how much did you focus on what you don't know? How high are the price of gas going to be? What's, what's propane going to cost this year? What's this? What about that? What about this? And all of that creates fear and uncertainty. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He'll take care of all those things. What do you know? And it's important when, when God seems silent that we focus on what we do know. Number five, continue to cry out to God. Keep on asking. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. It, it literally means keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking and it will be opened. Keep on, keep on. Do you know why there's 42 chapters in the, in the book of Job? Part of it is because he had long-winded friends. But part of it, we're seeing Job's heart. He can't. I wish I could go to God. I wish I could make my appeal. We're seeing the heart of Job that keeps going to God. And we're going to get where Job does, God does meet with Job. But we're tempted to quit. We're tempted to, to give up in... 1979, when the regime of a repressive dictator was overthrown in Uganda, there was a great sense of relief among the people. And even in the midst of destruction and, and everything in disarray, the, the people celebrated when the government changed hands. And the comment of one happy citizen expressed how many Christians respond to adversity. He said, I stopped going to church because I thought God had forgotten us. Now I can go again. See, that's not the right attitude. God hadn't forgotten them. It may look like it all around, but when circumstances... If, if our relationship with God is dependent on circumstances, on whether God has remembered us or forgotten us, we're going to be in a miserable, miserable way. And regardless if it looks like it's producing anything, you continue to cry out to God. You continue to pursue God. And, and as Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. God, I'm going to keep coming to you. Why? He is our only hope. If you quit crying out to God, what are you going to do? What's your hope? There is no hope. And to just draw back and say, well, God failed me because He didn't do it the way I envisioned Him to. No, we say, God, 
You have saved my soul. It doesn't matter. I owe my life and my all to you, and I'm going to pursue you regardless of what happens. Number six, it's important for us to submit to God's authority. In Job 23, Job basically says, God God does what he wants. Verse 13 of Job 23, but he is unique and who can change him? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. And he performs what is appointed for me and many such things are with him. What Job is saying is, God doesn't ask our permission. He doesn't tell us his plan ahead of time. He doesn't give us a preview of the coming attractions that are going to be coming into our life or the coming adversities that come into our life. And and he doesn't give us a preview and say, now is that okay if I bring this into your life? That isn't how life works. He doesn't tell us how it will end in our own life. He tells us ultimately how it will end. He doesn't tell us how long the darkness may last. But we still trust Him and wait on Him and walk in His ways and treasure His Word and keep leaning on Him even though we don't understand what he's up to. And it really is a good thing that we don't understand because if God was only what we understood, God would not be enough. And we, we can trust him. Job 24, and we're not even going to go into it, but, but Job says... There are a lot of bad things in this world. And there are dark things. And basically he's saying to them, where is God? If you're saying the law of retribution, you do wrong and God judges, Job's saying, okay, where is God? That's what I'm saying. I can't find God. Look at people commit robberies and sexual sins and hidden wrongs in the dark. Where is God? Job says, I don't have an answer for it. And neither do we. There there are inexplainable sufferings going on all over the world today that we don't have answers for. And, And if you or I were God, we would have ended it long ago. And we would have been the first ones to be gone. But... God's ways are higher than our ways, and they are beyond our ways. And we need to resist the temptation to expect God to explain everything and to explain why He's allowing this and why He's allowing that, and rather to embrace the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. Job said in, in Job 23, I'm unable to locate the presence of God, but I trust Him. I'm unable to understand the plan of God, but I trust Him. 
I'm unable to justify the permissions of God, that God allows certain things to happen, but I trust Him. We aren't able to understand it, and there will be times that we don't like it, but we just need to trust God. God, I submit to you. I don't know what you're doing, but I do know you are at work in my life to glorify your name, and so have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. To trust Him. And then, in the midst of the darkness, look forward to heaven. The silence will end. We will be in the presence of God face to face with Christ our Savior. Romans 8.28 will be fulfilled. All things will be made right. And, And even though at this stage in our life, The earthly side, it seems blurred and knotted and strange and twisted. God is the grand weaver, and from heaven's perspective, it will be an incredible pattern that we'll see. And understand, the silence will end. The darkness will be brought to light, and God will be front and center. We look forward to that. You understand that God is always speaking. Um, When I was a kid, years and years ago, all right, I had a five-band radio that I saved my money and bought, and, and I'd entertain myself on some of those cold winter nights in Minnesota and northern Iowa, and just Go and see how far out I could go. See, there's, there's radio waves everywhere. This room's full of radio waves. And God is speaking everywhere. But until I get a, a transmitter, a receiver, a radio, I can't hear them. The Holy Spirit is the transmitter, the radio, if you please, in our life. God is speaking to us. But if you don't have the Spirit of God, if you are not a child of God, you don't hear it. You don't see it. I mean, I'd go through and, wow, I'm here's San Antonio, Texas. Incidentally, last month we were out in Colorado the blowtorch of the Midwest, WHO. In September, we pulled it in out in Colorado. You can pull in WHO. I've pulled it in in New Mexico, Arizona, California. In the winter, they call it the blowtorch for a reason, okay? But there, that's beside the point, all right? <laughs> but I'd be fascinated listening in on places all over. But you had to have the transmitter. God's talking to every person in this world today. But the overwhelming majority of them have never humbled themselves to call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins so they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. But there's also 
a lot of people that have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, and you old-timers remember the old-time radios that you had to turn the dial and you'd play with it to get it just right, because if you were off a little bit, all you'd hear is... So... There's a lot of us that have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, but we're not, we're not in tune with God. We've drawn away. And so we say, I'm not hearing from God. Well, maybe if you'd adjust your life more toward God, you'd hear from Him. Maybe if you'd repent of the sin that you've been hanging on to, you'd hear more from Him. And when the Spirit of God dwells in us, All these messages that God's given us. I mean, the Spirit of God opens this up. You say, I read the Word, I don't get anything out of it. My first question is, are you sure you're a child of God? Because you won't get anything out of it unless the Spirit dwells within you. He wrote this book. He's the one that will teach us about it. He'll make it come alive. My second question is, if you're a child of God... Have you asked the Spirit of God to help you understand the Word of God? When we do that, He makes the Word come alive to us. But for us to say God's not speaking to us, many people don't have the receiver. They've rejected Jesus Christ, so the Spirit of God isn't in them. And many others are on the wrong band. They're on the wrong frequency they're, they're marching after the world. You're not going to hear from God when you're marching to that band. And it's important that we come back. Listen, the only thing that's going to help us survive life is knowing God. And there will come dark, dark days in life. But we must have God. G.K. Chesterton said Christian, Christianity has, has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. To to do these things as a believer, it's difficult. It's a battle. It's spiritual warfare. Satan doesn't want you to do it. And so many times we just let it go. But when you pursue God with all your heart and all your soul, Even in the midst of darkness, you will see the power of God work. And we know in the midst of the darkness that someday the darkness will end. Someday the silence will end. Someday we will be face to face with Christ our Savior. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for difficult days, perhaps some even today are in the midst of what they feel like is silence from you. Lord, I pray that we would follow the steps that you've given us today and that our faith would grow strong and that we would be instruments to glorify you in the midst of darkness. And then, Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today that have never called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, they know they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within them, so they're not hearing from you. Lord, I pray today that they would 
know the drawing of your spirit and that they would say yes to you and call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray that we would have a faith built in the truth of your word. As we sang earlier, every promise of your word is true. May our faith be established in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's